had about, a lot of us went and got guns for the first time. They keep telling me I need to go to the gun range. I said, no, I need to watch the hip-hop video. I'll figure out how to use it. <laughs> Dion said, no, man, you need to come to gun range with me. I said, hey, them guys ain't going to no gun range. They seem to be hitting everybody. So I'll figure it out. I got time to go to no gun range. I just watched an NBA young boy video. Put it to the side. I'm holding it to the side. <laughs> so Paul says, don't let anyone compel you, pressure you. Just put you in distress to do it. And then Paul goes on to say, um, since God, agape, loves a cheerful giver. God loves that. And what does cheerful mean? The Greek word here is hilarious, which means one who is happy, optimistic, glad. I mean, they, they like, they can't wait to give. They want to give. It's, it's not, they're not, they don't wake up in the middle of the night like feeling angry about giving $30. Texting Mike, say, hey, I can't get the change back. They're not like that. They are cheerful in their giving. Paul says, God loves that. And God says he don't want people giving to him out of pressure, being compelled to give. Well, back to verse 7. But Paul says, each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Remember I said last week, how often should we give? How often should we give of our um, resources? Um, this word heart here in the Greek is cardia. It means the inner self, the mind, the place where we make our decisions from. Paul says, each person has decided in his heart he should give. So how often should we give? Next slide. Um, keynote slide. Um, Paul says, now we're in 2 Corinthians. Notice this is 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Apostle Paul, he's laying down doctrine for the New Testament church. Look at what he says. To the, to the Corinthians, he says, now about the collection for the saints. Not New Orleans saints, saints of the Most High God. Um, now about the collection of the saints. Do the same as I instructed. So he's given now instructions to the church. As I instructed the churches in Galatian churches, Paul says. Do what the same? Look what he said. Verse 2. Some of you struggle while the church should be on Saturday. Here's one verse you can just use. That's another conversation. But he said, on the first day of the week, what's today? First day. Saturday is the seventh day. Christians in the New Testament, Paul says, when you gather together on the first day of the week. Each of you, every time you gather, you are to set something aside. And save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come. So Paul says, how often should we give? First day of the week when we gather as the saints of God to worship God. Paul says, as I, as I instructed the churches in the Galatia, I'm now instructing you. On the first day of the week, you should bring something as the Lord 
is you have decided in your own heart. God doesn't want you giving reluctantly. He says he loves a cheerful giver. Paul says. So, my question to you how does one And this is when you guys know God's got you a bad guy. I'm like, man, God, do you know your fuck? God said, I'm not going to command you. God, you can walk with God for a while. God said, I'm bad enough all by myself. Let me, you just tell me, you just preach it. You let me do me. You, I don't need your help. Now you got to preach it. God said, let me be me. Well, it, it works. Best to just put people under guilt. Tell them that the Lord's going to curse you if you don't give. Folks, when you tell folks God's going to curse them, man, you can get a lot of money from folks. I've seen it, man. Folks will go home and steal from their grandmama to give something. <laughs> they go out and rob somebody. Like, what? God's not going to like me if I don't give something? Shoot, man, give me the shoes, bro. It'd be a young boy gun. Give me them shoes. <laughs> guilt works, but it don't work for God. <laughs> God said, I don't want guilt. Giving. I want cheerfulness. So, guys, you got to be something really that we're missing. And so, therefore, remember what I said that reading the Bible through covenant lenses and understanding the God who is a covenant keeping God is important. Chad did the infant baptism, he used covenant language. And so, therefore, on my last slide, this is important when I talk about understanding covenant language. Here in Jeremiah, Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, these guys were prophesying things to come all the way into our time and all the way into the future. And here Jeremiah, one of God's prophets, we call him one of the major prophets, he says this about a, there's a, a new covenant that is going to come. The old is insufficient. It can't do what it needs to do. So God said, I'm going to do a new covenant with the people of Israel and those who will come to believe. So he says, look, the days are coming, God says, Yahweh. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. God was in that covenant. This one would not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. The Moses generation. On, on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Woo, that's why I love that Egypt text. Man. See, it shows up everywhere. God led them out of Egypt. And God made a covenant with them. But if you remember, he wrote that covenant on tablets of stone. It was written on stone. But God says, but I'm going to make a new covenant, declares the Lord. And my covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord declaration. Next verse. And said, this is the covenant the Lord said I'm going to make with them now. The people of God. I will make with the house of Israel after those days the Lord's declaration, and I will put my 
teaching within them and write it on their hearts. God said, I'm going from the stone and I'm going to the inner of a human being where I rest and reside. I'm going to write it on your soul that who I am, God says. No more on stone tablets, but I'm going to write it on your heart that I am who I am, that I'm God. I'm your Savior, your Redeemer, your Most High. That's what Karen that was trying to, that was singing this morning, that he is our everything. God said, I'm going to write that on your heart. No more on tablets of stone. And what would he write? I would write it on their hearts that I will be their God and they will be my people. And then he says, and no longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord. But will they all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. And this is the Lord's declaration. For I will write it on your hearts. Through what? What is God writing on our hearts? What is God proclaiming to us in this new covenant? It's called the gospel. It's called the power of God. First to the Jew and to the Gentile. That salvation comes. God does it in your heart that you believe. It's out of your heart that you believe. God writes it on your heart. What does he write? I will forgive their iniquity. And never again remember their sin. I don't think we understand. God said, I don't think you understand. God said, you get my gospel. You get children. You get what I've done for you. You get that. You will give your life away. That's what we're singing. That's why I'm weeping. Not because I've been good, but because of a good God who has been made a covenant with me and he never abandoned me in the story, though I thought he did. what God is saying. I don't need compulsion. God says, my grace is sufficient. When you understand it, you forget all of this world is here. And you live for the kingdom that's here and yet coming. God says, Father, I don't need compulsion. I don't need folks being put under guilt. God says, Ever feel that time when you just worship and you just start weeping? What are you weeping for? You're overcome. You're overwhelmed of the grace of God. See, the New Testament is grace. The gospel of grace is the new covenant. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, where would any of us be? If he held our sins against us, as it says in the Psalms, who could stand? Who could move? Who could come in here today and lift our hands up if it wasn't for his grace? The only reason we can come in here and even utter a word to God because we know God is a giving God and he's a God of grace and mercy. But all the things we have done, the fact that we can come is only a matter because we know he's a good, good father and he's rolling out his hands. 
so I said, be coming up here forget it. Well, Hebrews 10.16 picks up on this text from Jeremiah. He says, um, this gospel of grace resting on hard hearts. This is the covenant I will make with them. In Hebrews 10.16, after those days, the Lord says, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then Jesus, once again, that's why covenant theology makes sense in our time. Because it makes sense for a lot. Tossed to and fro by all the waves and the winds of doctrine that were coming at me. But God was gracious and merciful to pull me out and help me understand what I couldn't understand before. And so therefore, the new covenant that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ in the gospel is what the Lord's Supper is. The Lord's Supper is a sacrament, a sacrament of worship. As we did last week, it's two sacraments that we believe the Lord has given to the church. It's baptism and the Lord's Supper. They're sacraments, they're signs and seals that remember that God is our covenant-keeping God. Because he's going to keep reminding you to be cheerful. To keep reminding you that you don't have to bring any more rams and bulls and goats and anything to try to appease God. That you can't out-appease God through your guilt. No, I believe that I can still obey a God. Hearing well-doing, God says, I want to remind you of what I did for you. And this is a visible a visible, tangible display to us. It was not us that saved us. It was not you that saved you. It was not you or anyone who rescued you, but it was the God of grace through his mercy that we have been rescued. And so it tells us that on that night, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And on the night that he was betrayed, this is what he was praying in Jeremiah, that he was going to write it on their hearts. The Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. And then he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, covenant. This cup, Jesus says, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until says, this new cup is the new covenant in my blood. Not your blood, his blood. So, Lord, how can we become cheerful? Lord, can we make it simple? 
prepare them to see me. I teared up. Man, you know, 55. Man, I was a messed up person. And part of what's happening to me, I feel unworthy of God's love. But the flip side of it, like I'm still so unworthy of it. I'm so overweening. I just want to do whatever God wants. How do you think about it? How do you become cheerful about it? How do you reflect on who he is? 